the FT. This emergency budget deals decisively with our country's record debts. This is the unavoidable budget. So there you had it from George Osborne, the unavoidable budget, and certainly few of us will be avoiding the consequences. Welcome to the FT's budget podcast. I'm Robert Shrimsley and I'm joined in the studio by Chris Giles, our economics editor, Nick Timmins, our public policy editor, and Alison Smith from our leader writing team. So let's start with you, Chris. What's the overall impression of this budget? Well, it's a very tough budget. There's big cuts in public spending, 25% of non-protected departments over the next four years. Those are very big. Big rises in taxes as well. We've got this big VAT rise. And one of the really interesting things, I think, when you look at the detail of this, is that in some ways 30 billion off spending in 2014-15 was enough on the raw figures to sort out his deficit problems. But he had to raise VAT for two reasons. One was he wanted to give some of that money back in things like corporation tax. And the second reason is what was something that might irritate him slightly, is that the Office for Budget Responsibility has taken a look at his figures and said, well, your VAT rise, that's going to increase inflation. We have to spend on benefits. And your other tax rises are going to cut growth a bit and reduce salaries and stuff. And so that's a $9 billion hit he's taking in fourteen fifteen. So the VAT rise is basically having to be put in place just to take account of the negative effects of some of the other tax rises and spending cuts. Now, one of the um, things he was at pains to point out throughout the, the, the budget, Chris, and in the run-up, was that it would be fair, he kept using the words progressive, that the people who would take most of the pain were the ones most able to bear it. Is that actually how it happened? Well, I do think the word progressive is a little bit of a cheek, actually, when you look at this budget. I'm not saying it's anything wrong with the measures in the budget, but to describe them as progressive is really rather naughty, and this is and this is why because the way they've um, calculated the progressivity of the budget is by looking at only the measures they can look at, which are the tax rises and the direct benefit cuts, and only in the year to 2012-13 before restricting to the CPI, not the RPI, has had full force, and it doesn't take any account... It's a different measure of inflation. Exactly. And it doesn't take any account of the really big measure, the 30 billion spending cuts, so the measure that dwarfs all others, which the poor receive much more than the rich, and uh, in terms of proportion of income. And so there is absolutely no way this budget is progressive. I don't think that means it's wrong, but it isn't progressive. Okay. Nick Timmins, how much do we now know about where the axe is going to be falling in spending terms? Well, we know that uh, all departments outside health are going to take a 25% hit over four years, which is simply massive. Uh, That must involve hundreds of thousands of public sector jobs, I would guess. We don't yet know which departments are going to be hit. There was a hint that education and defence will receive some protection, but if they receive a smaller cut than 25%, that means a bigger cut for others. Uh, So we know that there's an immense amount of pain on the way for the public sector. The pay freeze for most workers is an attempt to reduce those job losses, and there'll be some hits on public sector pensions as well. But for services that aren't health, it's going to be very, very tough. And what about the welfare changes? There's quite a lot in the budget about child benefit freezes and, as Chris has mentioned, the change to the way the pensions are uprated. Well, there's quite a lot of pain there, but it's interesting. He said that the total saving on, on Social Security and tax credit was about £11 billion. And that means that that it's kind of a 5% reduction on where it would have been by 2013-14. And so in one way, it's almost surprising he's taken so little out of that that area of spending, given that the result is 25% cuts in unprotected departments. Some people might have expected him to do more. It's also interesting he's kept child benefit. And there's, there's clearly an attempt here to maintain the structure that we have at the moment of the way the welfare state works rather than dismantle it. 
What about the politics of this, Alison? How did you see it shaping up from a political perspective? Well, he had to cover a lot of ground to keep his right-wing backbench colleagues on side when they really wouldn't like to see any tax rises at all and to stop the Lib Dems from deserting their colleagues in government. It's basically, it's a Tory budget with the Lib Demery on the side. It was, it was very noticeable that he, he managed to situate, position himself in a way that he was flanked on one side by Nick Clegg and another side by Danny Alexander and David Cameron actually hidden behind him. And it seemed that the further he got into it, the more he kept using the phrase the coalition government. Absolutely. You know, no coincidences in the um, seating arrangements there. And but, but which group of backbenchers, the Conservatives or the Liberal Democrats, are the ones that you would say are going to feel more uncomfortable as they reflect on this? Liberal Democrats, I would say, without a doubt, um, because... As Nick said, we haven't seen the detail of the spending cuts yet. And when it comes to services lost, jobs lost um, in constituencies um, where the Libs are in power, I think they will find it very, very hard. OK, Chris, one of the things that was talked about a lot in advance is the argument of, as to whether George Osborne was bringing us too much austerity too soon. As you say, he's gone a long way down the path that he promised he was going to. Is he right in this? Well, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you some parameters. The whole of the British economic establishment is with George Osborne on this. You've got the Treasury, the Chancellor, the Office of Budget Responsibility has just cut growth forecasts by about 0.3 of a percentage point at the maximum, and the Bank of England. They all think this can be offset. They all think it's the right thing to do. Uh, that would also apply to most economists. There are some dissenters out there who think it's very dangerous, and that includes the Labour Party. So it really is the case that if it works, that's very good for the reputations of all of the establishment. If it doesn't work, if we're back to 1931, Lord Snowden's budget, and it's a big disaster, the economics establishment of Britain is looking very shaky indeed. And what about from a business perspective? What, what was there in this budget to frighten or delight? The big move for business was the four percentage point cut in the corporation tax rate from 28% to 24% over four years, funded in part, but it is a giveaway, in part by a restriction in investment and capital allowances for companies. So it is a re redistribution from investment-heavy sort of manufacturing industries to more retailers and things like that. So Tesco will be happy, big steel makers might be less happy. Banks, of course, um, will, have, will not be winners because they're going to pay this new levy of two, two to two and a half billion pounds. And there's a possibility they'll have a second bank tax, a financial activities tax, which essentially is levied on profits and remuneration. So for business, it's generally not too bad, apart from um, the VAT hike, of course. And of course, the if you are a supplier to the public sector, you might find that your contracts don't exist soon. And what about this discussion of the, the so-called fat tax, the further assault on bank profits later on? Well, I think this is something that's very interesting that it wasn't ruled out when we had the other bank levy. It's a, it's a tax that's been suggested by the IMF. It's also a tax which mimics VAT and banks and financial services companies don't pay VAT. So it would be a way in a future bu budget for George Osborne or the Chancellor to say we want to bring financial services into the VAT net. And if you if you listen to him carefully, when he ruled out bringing newspapers, children's clothes, food into the VAT net over the Parliament, he didn't say financial services. Nick, we've touched on this already, but the, the issue of poverty and how progressive th this government is going to be, as you looked at the measures, did you see a government that is going to make life harder for the poor? Oh, well, in some ways, well, it's clearly going to make life harder for the poor in, the, in that there are, there are reductions in uh, assorted benefits. They're, they're saying you know, loan, loan mothers need to go to work earlier. There's going to be cuts in housing benefit. So people who are dependent on benefits are going to take their share of the pain uh, and, and 
arguably, if you look at the effect of what they get from services, they may be taking a larger share in the long run. And Alison, where, where does the budget leave the Labour Party now? Well, I think its strategy is to seek to divide the coalition and the VAT rise gives them an easy way to do that. The Lib Dems campaigned on fair taxes and it's quite hard to present VAT as a fair and progressive tax, much easier to explain it as um, disproportionately paid by those on, on low incomes. So that's a straightforward weapon for the Labour Party and I'd be astonished if they don't go for it gangbusters. Okay, well, thanks very much indeed. We'll be watching over the coming months to see how things develop. Thank you to Chris, Nick and Alison. And for full budget coverage throughout the day and over the days ahead, go to ft.com slash budget. The FT. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.